You know what you get when you cross Lassie with a pit bull? What? You get a dog that chews you to bits and then goes for help. <laughs> That's who they were and what they were. And comedy has changed so much. You can see in an old Marx Brother movie, they're pausing for the laughs in the movie. Excuse me. Can I quit this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I told Eddie Murphy to stay in college so he'd have something to fall back on. <laughs> I did great advice. <laughs> Jackie, how about the lighter side of history? The lighter oh, side... I'm done laughing at my joke. Okay. I know a lot of things, and I share them on the podcast, and you don't care. What are we talking about? We're... I can't get a word in edgewise <laughs> on this show. I mean, it's... Here's how we sell it. Okay. And uh, could easily have played a gladiator. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, doing a reading, because we did dramatic readings in the class, and unannounced, he walked in and sat in the back of the room. When I was reading, and it suddenly went, Hamina, 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 Hamina. Wow, Charlton Heston. He was so uh, such an impressive actor. Um, he did a, uh, a promo for the college to raise money, and they gave him a... Uh, a, a script, and they had a big cue card for him to read. He goes, I'm not reading a cue card. You can always tell when somebody's reading. I was there, I saw that. You can always tell when somebody's reading a cue card. So he takes the script, and he goes and he stands in a corner for like three minutes, like this. Then he turns around. I got it. I got it. Looked in the camera and nailed it in the first take. I thought, thought that was, and it was a fairly long promo to raise money for the I college. didn't know where this was going. No, I'm just, I was just was so impressed with, with Somebody Charlton Somebody told Hester. me a story so long ago, and of course, it's the kind of story that of course everybody would pass on. I have no idea if there's the least bit of validity. Yeah. But somebody who worked in makeup and hair, or had a friend that worked in makeup and hair, said that he was so vain that when he was doing some movie when they put his wig on, they had to put the wig on over his wig. <laughs> Which is just, you know, I, you know, it could be cherry. Maybe his wig was glued to, who knows what, it's just such, it's too good a story. To <laughs> it's got to be true. Right? It's got to be true. I love it. I you know, it. Mark Twain said that he could live for a month on a good compliment. And... You know, when times are rough and tough or whatever, I find that, you know, if somebody really good or, you know, it's so funny how people can tell you you're good or bad, blah, blah, blah. But when somebody tells you you stink, all of a sudden they have such a power. Yeah. You know, if somebody says you were so great last night, thank you. But if somebody says, you know, you really stink, like they're... Their value goes up in estimation. I've, I've heard so many people talk about that, which is so wrong, you know, because we're all crazy. It's all like, the comedians watching this will understand this. You'll definitely understand this. I've done some radio. You've done tons and tons of radio, and it's different from stand-up. With a live audience, you get your feedback right away. They're laughing. You can hear them, okay? When you're doing radio or even a podcast, 
you know, you'll hear weeks or even months later, you know, that bit you did about so-and-so when you mentioned Mark, that was great. Hey, that was, that was three months ago. Right. Well, you it's do so a movie, you deliver a line. Right. With I any mean, luck, you see it in two years. You yeah. Know. I mean, it's, it's such a different, different dynamic. Uh, and, you know, even when I used to say this, because, uh, like, a, a comic could come up with an idea or a bit or whatever, and, like, I can't wait, and then they go up and do it that night. Like, on the Stern Show, if something went through my mind, I'd write it down, and in 10 seconds, millions of people right. are laughing, which right. is, like, right. so ridiculous. And, and it didn't matter if it stunk, because there was <laughs> another bus coming along. You know, right, you know. absolutely. But that, what that, I was yeah. going to tell you, I got the nicest compliment, one of the nicest compliments I ever got. It's always fun when there's a happy ending because that, that same stage that Soupy fell off of, this stage at the, in the dining room at the Friars, and it was one of those things where there's like two or three or four acts, you know, like Eddie Brill and me and whoever. Um, and I go to go up and Stiller and Mira are sitting here. You know, I mean, if I put my leg out, I would have kicked them in the jaw. And they're just immense, you know, but not just immense. Jerry is now, at, you know, between Seinfeld, I mean, he is, he was such a character, but my he God, was. there's no, nothing funnier in the world than watching him go from zero to 60. Right. As, as George Costanza's father. But they're sitting there, and I'm doing my jokes, you know, not long, I probably did 12 minutes, 15 minutes, that's what we all did. And, and they were laughing, and I was so thrilled. And after the show, he came up with the weirdest compliment, and the weirdest comment that I had never thought of, and I had never heard it since. He said, you're excellent. Your timing, no wasted words, excellent. But you know, each of your jokes is like a, a short play. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. like the longer yeah. jokes, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like a short one act play. And I never thought, you know, there's a couple yeah. of characters and yeah. there's a beginning and an ending. Good I was like, you. wow, that was, not that, but it meant anything, but I, like, so Jerry, you, you were paying attention. You know what I mean? It's like, you know. You remember the Bill Boggs? Show on sure. Channel 5 uh, before the Fox Network even existed. But they had a show and they invited a few new comics, and I was very new, I'm sure less than two years doing it, not very good. But we were going to perform about a minute or so, and then we were going to be critiqued by Tony Randall and Stiller and Mira. And Mira was now there. This, so this is not comedy tonight. This is no, the no, Bill Boggs show. No, no, this is the Bill Boggs show. It was more like a talk show. And uh, so it's time to do this segment, and, and Bill Box explains, uh, we want you to watch these young comics and, uh, and critique them. And, and Jerry Stiller goes, well, I don't know if I can uh, judge them because comedy is, is subjective. And Tony Randall, I'll never forget, goes like this. I'll judge. <laughs> got a big laugh, got a big laugh. And I did my one minute, and Tony Randall went for the laughs about my, my little bit. And Jerry Stiller, now it's his turn, and he talks so nicely and so encouraged. I can't even remember exactly what he said because I was kind of overwhelmed with how kind, he was kind and encouraging, you know? And it's just a memory I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, like, it, it was funny what 
Tony Randall did. And, but right. Jerry Stiller was kind. That's what I remember is his kindness. You know? He was around a long time, man. The, we did a show, Morton Downey Jr. Do you oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Morton Downey Jr., the premise they came up with was they wanted some young guys to do their acts, but dirty guys. It was me and Otto and George. For you, whoever doesn't know, Otto and George would... Uh, Otto was a, a little guy with George, the most vile ventriloquist dummy in, in history. George is the dummy. Otto, it doesn't sound like right, it, but right. Otto was actually the real human, right. and George was the dummy. Well, give or take. So, <laughs> so we're on the Morton Downey Jr. show, and we're going to be judged by Freddie Roman, and I think Stewie Stone, and it was a third guy. And I think his name was Don Geronimo. I'd have to check on that. And they're going to watch us, and then they're going to ask us why we have to work blue. Okay. This guy, Don Geronimo, worked at the Aztec Lounge in Hollywood, Florida, in the 70s. And my buddy Archie, my sister's boyfriend, used to go to Florida with his father. They'd go to Florida to fish and everything. And they went to this Aztec lounge, and there was this filthy comic who sold his records at the end of the show. And Archie brought me home a record, of course, to his friend who tells dirty jokes. And it was this guy, Don Geronimo's album, full of filthy jokes, okay? He probably sold 15 in his life, and I have one of them. So here we are on Morton Downey, and there's Morton Downey in his red socks, and he's running around, and they said to us, be as dirty as you want. We can, we'll edit whatever. I don't think the show ever aired, although I think it might be Googleable. I'm not sure, or YouTubeable. But it was me and Otto, and I don't know who the third person, I can't believe I don't know who the third person was, but we did a, a, just a few minutes of our acts, and then it was like, you know, Freddie, you know, listen, there's no real reason to be obscene or blue, you know, you know, a comedy, you know, it was it was kind of a goof, like, you know, and and then Don Geronimo goes, uh, yeah, you know, that that's absolutely no reason for anybody to uh, to work blue. And I said, hey, Don, tell me if this sounds familiar. Well, give him $40 because he shit in your pants, too. He went white. It was one of the, it was a great, great joke that I had been using my whole life from his album. And, he, like, his face dropped, and I, I don't, I think I just said, you know, I think I just smiled and said, well, you know where that's from. <laughs> and I don't, God, I would love to see the show. Because, you know, the, what were the odds that, yeah. that you know, because comics don't buy comedy records, especially full of jokes, you know. Maybe our show here will inspire some of our viewers to Google or YouTube Otto and George. Because they're gone now, but they were classic, they were different, they were so bad, and that's how powerful the dummy is. I'm saying they, and there's only one human being in the act. They were so bad they were good, like uh, Springtime for Hitler and the producers. And he was so he was so talented as a ventriloquist 
but he was not talented as far as the mechanics. Yeah, he didn't because care. He, he, didn't he care. moved his mouth, you know. And he and he was oh, he was pretty much of a drug addict or a drunk or whatever, or coke, whatever. He was he had, oh. he had a lot of problems. But George's mouth got broken. I don't know if you remember. For a couple of years, George's mouth was broken and it would get stuck. And instead of getting fixed, George's mouth would get stuck. And he'd reach over and have to close it, and then the dummy would yell at him, you, you stupid drug addict, you can't get my mouth fixed. You know, and so, oh, the dummy would yell at him for being too high. It was, it was kind of an out-of-body experience. But they're replaying some of these old shows. I don't know if you ever did it, but it was called Otto and George's, not Playtime Lounge, it had some, some weird name to it. My friend Bobby Capelli produced it, and it was a talk show. But Johnny Carson, Otto and George were Johnny Carson. So you're sitting there, and I have a ventriloquist dummy, and I'm interviewing you. And you couldn't look like anything but a moron, because <laughs> George is interviewing you. So if you're talking to him, you're talking to a puppet. But if you talk to Otto, you're being rude. To, it was it was so oh. uncomfortably funny, and those those are Googleable. Otto and this is a, this is a classic story, but it's true, and it's the ultimate example of psychological displacement. Otto and George started out as street performers. George was an insult dummy. Of course, Otto's doing the talking, but one person on the street got so angry at the dummy, at George, that they stabbed George the dummy. That that story has been around for, it's just it, like, But it's true. No, it's, it, I, I, I mean, I, just I, think I, of well, what kind of moron, but at the same kind of moron like me that's standing there talking to the dummy while I'm getting interviewed, <laughs> and you know. And the knife went into Otto's hand. I mean, he had yeah, to, yeah, it, it, it was, it's, uh, it's just you know, so it's not exactly a happy ending. If you want to see Otto and George, it was a great movie from 1990 called Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen. And a lot of the people in there went on to, like Tim Allen was in it, and uh, what's his name? Um, I, I hate this, Otto and George, Tim Allen, Theo Vidal, um, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Chris Rock. Okay. I went on, I went on 12th, I went on 36th. It was a seven-minute, there, there were a couple cameras, but there were seven-minute canisters. So you had exactly seven minutes. So Mike Egan came up, got the crowd stirred up to bring on Ben... Creed? Ben Creed. Ben Creed introduced the first act. They reset, reload the cameras. Mike Egan comes up, gets them revved up. Ben Creed comes up and introduces the second act. So I was the 36th person to take the stage. You know, Egan Creed one, Egan Creed two. Egan, I mean, I think I got on at four in the morning. But what a, what a, what a night, you know. But that's, it's definitely, I think it's, you don't have to pay, it's like Googleable. And it was, you know, it's, it was filthy and fun and crazy, you know. You know, but you, you talk about Otto and George and his genius and the fact that he was unique, he truly was. But we did a gig far out in New Jersey and I was driving and I was 
driving him back home at the end of the night, very late. And as we're approaching New York City, he said to me, just drop me off here. I go, Otto, we are under the George Washington Bridge in the middle of nowhere. Drop me off here. In a horrible neighborhood. In a horrible neighborhood. Nothing I can see. I, I thought, you're joking, right? No, drop me off here. And this is years, this is, he's not about to pull out his cell phone. No, no. Even if he's looking just, for a dealer, he's not going to call him on his cell phone. He's going to be going. He's got to find somebody. Uh, you know, um, I just remember that. I don't know and, what to and, say. And what could you do? What right. can you do? What you can't really do. Anything. We, we kind of had a bond because we were both very dirty. So there were places and people that would not book us. So we were kinda, had like a, an un you know, not a good bond, you know, like it sucked. But we got along great. But I also used to book things. And I booked, you know, bars and whatever. And I, I loved the guy and I couldn't book him. Because by the third time that he just doesn't show, yeah, you know, that's a really weird... Did we, did we talk about Mark Center? Mark Center, I know this character, if you will, go ahead. No, we have not. Do it. Mark Center was, it's a very worn expression, a comedian's comedian. But in some cases, that's a guy who says things that the other comedians find funny and people don't. And unfortunately, part of the reason might be they found it funny because the people <laughs> didn't find it funny. Because we'd sit in the back of the room and, and howl, you know. And, and this guy's, one of his great jokes that isn't even hardly a joke at all, but we would scream. He'd stand on stage and yank up the microphone wire and he'd say, right now, a comedian in China is being yanked to the floor. <laughs> so, so we'd scream. So I book him at Governor's when I'm running Governor's no laughs so you know jimmy or whoever governs like don't bring that guy back here don't book that guy he stinks <laughs> so i'd have to wait x amount of time and you'd bring him back anyway and i bring him back yeah because they'd forget and they go this is that guy don't bring him <laughs> so he so he had so much trouble getting work because he didn't get laughs and this is a true story i went into the comic strip one night and he was there, and uh, he said, I got to tell you, Jackie, I just got a job as a department store Santa Claus <laughs> at Macy's for two weeks. And I said, really, Mark? And he said, yeah, it's great to have something steady. <laughs> <laughs> what a and great he, line. And he knew how funny it oh, was. Oh, that's you a know. great line. That's oh, a great just, line. Terrific, terrific. Oh, yeah. When I think of department store Santas, I think about the welfare state, because I knew a guy who was a department store Santa, and on December 26th, he was able to go on unemployment. You know the job is ending. You know it's a temporary job. You expect now to be paid by the government because Christmas came? I mean, I, sometimes our generosity in this country goes a little crazy. That's like vendors at Yankee Stadium going on unemployment. When the Yankees go on the road, you can't plan for that in your life? That's fair. I, didn't, I, I you had know, no idea that that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's that's... true. It is legal. 
<laughs> That's absolutely true. There are some comedians, and you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, comedy is subjective, and there's some comedians that just drive you out of the room. You, people may think they're funny, but for you, they are fingernails on a blackboard. And I'm not going to ever mention names, but there are like, what are they laughing at? What are they laughing at? And um, and, and this is good people that it floats for different people. What you think, what I think, or so, you know, but this is while people are screaming, standing ovations, you know, and like, are they hypnotized, you know? And but, and some comics. I'm, but that happens, you know. There's people like when I'm doing well, they're like, what the hell are they laughing at, you know? Well, I mean, you can hear the uh, the audio response. That's how you know a comedian's doing well. But you know, and I I don't know if you want to use names, comedians who don't get laughs and yet they still get booked. And in the case of Mark Center, it was because you found the guy funny and you were booking the room. Right, 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 <laughs> doing him a favor. Doing him a favor, but also you found him funny. And you found him funny maybe for the wrong reasons because it was so but, bad but it was good. But there, there were jokes there, you know, but it, it, it's, a, it's such an insult, but he was such a sad sack. You know? I know. But bombing is so weird because and, you, and, can, you can get your, you can dig yourself into into the hole, you know. You can you go can. down the rabbit hole. We were working at the comic strip one time, and I have the review from that night. I saved. It's just among my crap. Uh, uh, the guy made note of this. Whoever wrote it was the same guy who wrote wrote up about the Fort Lauderdale comic mm -hmm. strip all the time. Mm -hmm. he, uh, there's millions of articles he wrote, but it was Joe Bolster and John Heyman had been on the road with Jenny Jones. And they had a He-Man Woman Sater Club, you know. They were so funny, they were so cool, and she was so untouchable because she was so beautiful, and they had, they had no idea what to say to a girl. So they shut her out. And by the time they had been on the road for three or four weeks, when they got to Fort Lauderdale, here's this beautiful girl, and you know me, I, I mean, I didn't do anything with her, but I was so friendly, I was, <laughs> I was like such an oasis. So we're having such fun, and one night, was really full, and Heyman went up, and he just got off on the wrong foot, <laughs> and they weren't laughing, and he's like a little caustic, so I guess he must have come back at them a little bit, and uh, I don't know whether it's, you know, nobody ever says, hey, Bales is killing in the room, you know, <laughs> somebody says, hey, check this out, Heyman's eating it, so we come out, and he is getting zero, and I mean, it's a Tinder, it's a packed room, <clears throat> and at some point, somebody laughed a little bit. He said, oh, thanks a lot, pal. That's like giving an aspirin to a cancer patient, <laughs> which immediately further put him in a oh. tank. So he bombed so badly, and I'm, I was next. And I go, I think it was so long ago, I think I might have even been wearing my guitar, and on my way up the stage, he, he's coming down the steps and he goes, good luck, they're ungettable. <laughs> and I walked, I said two words and they were screaming. And I think he's hated me ever since. But it was like, sometimes if you just dig a hole and right. they decide, you know, and then I'm sure I wasn't funny, I was just, I wasn't him. You right, I mean? right. That's exactly right. Uh, at Stand Up University, we call that making a hostility mistake. He made a mistake. He insulted somebody that everybody else liked and lost the crowd. And in that case, it is really, really, really difficult to get them back. 
Woody Allen used to say, if I can get one table, I can get the whole room. And you want to hear advanced comedy, really terrific comedians can do this. I've seen Jerry Seinfeld do it and Larry Miller do it, the great Larry Miller at the comic strip. Rowdy room, everybody talking. And they would go up and they would deliberately lower their voices to almost a whisper so the audience would have to stop talking to each other EF and Hutton. listen. EF that Hutton. EF good. EF Hutton. That is really advanced comedy technique. I love it. Whenever if I hit a slow point or if I told a joke that didn't get a laugh, I'd say, hey, you know. Yeah, I know what you yeah, say it. Say it. You know. You don't laugh at these jokes. You paid to, to see me. You don't laugh. Who's the idiot? Not me. You know. <laughs> or you, I know these jokes work. Work. I'm testing you. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm that's that's you. that's one of the. I I think I actually created. I know these are funny. I'm testing you, which is so balls. <laughs> but it's true, actually. Uh, this has been. A, I've had a lot of fun, man. We uh, we will be back to see everybody uh, on the same bat channel eventually, and. I can't wait because I thoroughly enjoy Peter Bales, and uh, I am not sure why, and I hope <laughs> you do too. Thank you very much, and thanks, of course, to our camera people. You don't say camera women. People. I'll, and I won't say camera women. I'll say thanks to our pretty camera women. That's not appropriate. I don't care. <laughs> As Richard Belzer once said, and we'll end with this, Physical science has yet to come up with a unit of measurement to express how little I give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and good night. Hey, a new episode of Stand Up Memories every Wednesday. How exciting is that? Starring me, Peter Bales, and right here, Jackie the Joke Man Martin. Please follow us on social media, search it out, what is it, MeSpace? MySpace. Your space? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Do-da, do-da. <laughs> <laughs>